Pod Save the King! Hello and welcome to Pod Save the King. I'm your host, Zoe Forsey, and I'm joined, as always, by our royal editor, Russell Myers. A bit familiar again, because I, using the term did a Dan, which I haven't been shouted at yet, which I'm quite surprised by, but we've just recorded the first 10 minutes of this and I forgot to press record. So we've done a bit of a trial. (laughs) We've done a trial run of the first 10 minutes of this, a rehearsal, if you will. But how are you, Russell, apart from being a bit cross with me? I am very, very good. We are nearly into the afternoon, but good morning uh, again. And uh, I suppose we should just jump straight in because we have an absolutely jam-packed week to get through. It's been very, very, very busy on the Royal Front. There has. There's been so much on, but I can't... I need to start with this story because it's something I never expected to say on this podcast. Michael Sheen versus Prince William in, I think, the row that nobody quite saw coming this week. How on earth have these two ended up having, not a row, that's too harsh, but some... some Oh, I don't know. I think there's a row. I think there's a row bubbling. Can I say a A one-sided row, maybe. But yeah, what's happened? (laughs) Well, a bit of background. I mean, people should obviously know who Michael Sheen is. He's a very, very famous British actor. I actually heard him be described as a Welsh actor this week which is uh which i always find funny when sort of people from the devolved nation sportsmen and women are are, you know criticized or not doing particularly well we call them welsh or english or scottish and when they're doing really well they're british so we can all share in their (laughs) uh, in their uh, legacy but michael sheen obviously very very proud welshman um he uh has been sort of in the public consciousness even more recently because he he's um he did a he did a sort of a rousing speech towards the, the the boys the men going to Qatar for the World Cup the the Welsh team are there for the first time since 1958 that they've qualified for the finals and he was on a show presented by James Corden in the UK called A League of Their Own it's sort of like a satirical sports show they have sports stars on it and some comedians and he did this sort of impromptu speech where he was just delivering sort of this um I mean, hugely, hugely popular. Um, sort of, I was about to say rant, but it wasn't a rant. It was a, it was a rousing speech, and he was saying, "You know, good luck to the boys. You can do it. Go out and do it." Yada yada yada. So, since then, he has become become particularly vocal about Prince William becoming the Prince of Wales, and I think that announcement went out on quite an important um, day in Welsh history. He was then yesterday uh, publicly essentially criticising Prince Williams by saying, you know, does he not feel any shame in showing his allegiance and support for the England football team? And the reason he was saying this is because on Monday, Prince William went to see the England football team before they jetted out to Qatar. He was pictured and videoed with all the the squad players handing out their squad numbers, sharing a loke in the jar, joking a laugh with them, saying, I'll see you in the final, boys and so on and so forth. And yet he holds the Prince of Wales title. And this is further complicated by the fact that William is patron of the Welsh Rugby Football Union. So obviously he has split allegiances. Now, yesterday, when after you know, a couple of hours after Michael Sheen had made these statements on Twitter, he then, uh, Prince William, was actually at the Welsh Senate, which is the Welsh Parliament. And he was visiting for the first time since taking on the role of course, we know that he has um, been said that he wants to get to know sort of the Welsh people, the Welsh communities, do what he can. I'm told he's learning Welsh. I thought it was a bit embarrassing, to be honest, that he admitted yesterday, I can't speak Welsh. I mean, 
one may wonder what on earth he's been doing for the last 40 years because, he, you know, this isn't a job that he was just told he was going to do last week. He's actually been prepared for this role you know, for his whole life. I mean, I would say he should have been learning Welsh. Some of my friends who are Welsh and don't speak Welsh say it is very hard to learn the language if you are not immersed in it. I mean, is this excuses? I mean, I'm not sure. I think it's a bit. I think it's a bit embarrassing that he doesn't speak about speak Welsh. He should have been able to go in there and say more than a few words. Words. So, what? Um, I mean, oh, I've seen that M- Michael Sheen's actually tweeting at the moment. Oh, we got live he breaking is, news on the podcast. Well, let me let me see. I just give you a rundown of what he said. So yesterday, he he sort of quote tweeted a video of uh, William with the players, as I said, and Michael Sheen said he can, of course, support whoever he likes. As president of F- the FA, his role makes the visit understandable, but surely he sees holding the p- title of Prince of Wales at the same time entirely inappropriate. Not a shred of embarrassment, question mark, or sensitivity, to the problem here, question mark. Now, for his part, William has said that he's not going to, well, there are no plans, whether he does have an investiture or not, but there are no plans to have an investiture like that of his father, who had sort of a rather lavish ceremony at Carnarfon Castle. Um, Carnarfon Castle, I'm going to be getting told off from pronouncing that wrong now. But um, it is a tightrope because, to take the sporting uh, aspect out of the way at the moment, does the Prince of Wales title mean anything in the modern world? What can it do? Now, playing devil's advocate, obviously, William and Kate definitely feel that they can shine a light on um, Welsh culture, charities, organisations, the issues of the day in Wales. I mean, Wales is uh, uh, made up of several communities. You have the, 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 the big cities, the Welsh valleys, the coastal regions. So there's an awful lot going on there. Um, so, yes, I, I do think that they can shine a lot. And, of course, they lived in Wales. They lived in Anglesey for a couple of years when he was training um, for his air ambulance um, career. So, I, again, it's it's very interesting. Um, I'm just going to go back to, to – I mean, what do you think? And then I'll come, I'll come back to, to Michael Sheen's tweets. I'm just catching up on it. It is a hard one because I know that, obviously, now he has this new title, but he's supported England in terms of football for his whole life. So – I think this is a situation where he is a person as well as someone on that side of it because it's rugby that him and Harry split, wasn't it? That William yes. always supported, is a Welsh rugby supporter, but Harry was always England because he always used to get those great meetings where they, you know, like when England were playing Wales in the rugby and you'd see them next to each other kind of having a bit of a, a joke and mucking around. But what I'm trying to work out is could there ever be, I'm kind of frantically Googling now, mm. is there a chance that William, that England could end up playing Wales. Obviously, not the group well, stage, but I'm trying to look at could, the schedule of how early it could come. And that, well, we are mm. playing in the group. So yeah, we are playing in the group stage. I think that's November the 29th that we are playing um, in Qatar. Um, now, so the, again, for for William's part, he, he was he said the country is all behind you. I'll see you in the final to the England side yesterday. Although he'd been criticised for, for saying I can't speak Welsh, he said. Um, Speaking to to one of the um, people at the centre yesterday, I've supported England since I've been sort of quite small, but I support Welsh rugby and that's my way of doing it. I'll happily support Wales over England in the rugby, but I've got to be able to play carefully with my affiliations. I worry otherwise if I suddenly drop England to support Wales, then that doesn't look right for the sport either. So I can't do that. So 
I mean, the woman he was formerly speaking to basically cut him off and said, we, mm. we'll, we'll agree to disagree, <laughs> which is quite awkward. I mean, listen, he, he's saying um, he's, he's trying to do his bit for, for Wales. He, he's, he's also saying that he's, he's trying to support both nations. It is a tightrope. I'm just going to come back to, um, to Michael Sheen's tweets because somebody in, in a, a sort of a, a broadcast chat show has said that was Michael Sheen right to criticise Prince William for handing tops out to the England team? and not Wales. Now, Michael Sheen has come out today and say, I didn't say that it's insensitive to leave out the Welsh team. For those who care, uh, the issue is that the title Prince of Wales seems inappropriate to be held by anyone not Welsh. And this is just an instance of the absurdity. It's not about supporting England or Wales or both. The title Prince of Wales was given to the heir by the English throne uh, so sorry, to, to to the English throne by his father, the king, as a sign of dominance over a defeated Welsh people. The tradition, in quotations, can be continued or not on the whim of whoever inherits the throne. Many Welsh people think it should be ended. It is intertwined with much of our history and how many of our present day challenges have evolved since then, that it cannot be for many an issue that holds much more than just its surface meaning and i think that is impossible to argue no matter if william and kate as i said can shine a light on these charities the issues the, of the of the people of wales which no doubt they will continue to do it is a bit of a hot potato so listen he's not going to get rid of it is he but it's it's just another issue that they will have to deal with i think that that charles potentially didn't have to deal with it's, it's just a really interesting talking point. And I think what Michael Sheen's done so well is he puts it across very, he makes a good argument in a way that isn't kind of having a go on bitter. But yeah, it's, it's a really interesting talking point. And I completely forgot there in our group. And yeah, it is the 29th game, isn't it? So that'll be, I'm guessing it might be a moment that he's quite glad that he's not out there. You know, if it had been in England and he was having to sit there and watch the game and like, yeah, he's probably well, quite glad yes. he can watch it on telly and not have everyone picking up on who he's supporting more. Now, you, you were out with Camilla yesterday, weren't you? Sounds well, like a I lovely was, event. Know, hobnobbing, sh- rubbing shoulders with the great and the good. <laughs> I mean, this was a lovely engagement, actually. It's probably not my... Uh, uh, me and the ballet are not traditional bedfellows, but <laughs> it was very, very nice. I was at Buckingham Palace in the glorious white drawing room after being in this golden piano room. It was absolutely stunning. And the reason... why what we were there for is because the Queen Consort was heaping praise on um, on a legend of the ballet world and presenting the Royal Academy of Dance's highest honour to uh, to Mikhail Baraneshkov. Now, he is a, the ballet dancer, if you don't know. You, you probably will know who he is, actually, because are you a Sex in the City fan? I've never seen it. I'm, well, this, you, I'm, you're I probably a bit so too young, much, to be I'm honest, not. I've just you? missed I it. I was friends. I forget how old I am. I was dedicated and, to know, friends. Okay, so this Mikhail Baraneshkov was actually not only just a ballet dancer who famously defected from the Soviet Union to Canada in 1974. He's been he's celebrated as one of the greatest dancers, not only of his generation, but all of all time. Pleasure to actually meet him yesterday. But um, he is also an activist, a campaigner. He's spoken about the, the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. He set up a charity for Ukrainian refugees. He's an all-round good guy. Now, um, 
Mr. Baroneshkov was presented this medal uh, yesterday, which is the Queen Elizabeth II Coronation Award, in recognition of um, of his, I suppose, immense contribution to ballet and the wider world of dance. And he was very, very emotional. He was saying yesterday, I don't have words to explain this moment, talking about a great joy. It's, his dancing career has never felt like a burden. It's never left me disappointed, he said. Um, just reading it now, he said, it's, uh, it has always been an unspoken conversation with the world, and I feel lucky to have found it. And talking about how humbled he was to have um, met and uh, looked at the long list of recipients. And one of those uh, people was Carlos Acosta, who is um, not only the, the, the current director of the Royal Ballet or Birmingham Royal Ballet, he is also a former recipient of this award as well. And he spoke in completely glowing terms of um, Mr. Baroneshkov. And uh, yeah, it was all, all together. Very nice engagement, short and sweet, but um, yeah, nice to nice to sort of see a window into another world, and of course, meeting the, the lovely Darcy Barcel once again, and she's an absolute legend. Lovely. Oh, it's Dame like... Dame Darcy, I should say. Yes, Dame there we Darcy. Go. Now, we've also had Kate's been out today, and this is a really lovely event. Actually, she's been with uh, some Ukrainian refugees, hasn't she? Yes, I mean, this is uh, an interesting engagement because in Reading, near to Windsor, sort of doing a bit more uh, engagements outside of London, I think, because it's uh, it's close home and it's pretty much on their doorstep. I mean, some nice stuff, actually, from KK speaking to a group of Ukrainian refugees, uh, talking to them about how they showed great resilience, saying that she personally wishes she could do more. I mean, you kind of think about what what can the royals do in that instance, and and it's to show up to refugee centres like this uh, across the country to keep it in the public consciousness. I mean, these people are continuing to suffer both in their home country and abroad where they've been displaced. Um, you know, an awful lot of people have been forced to flee their country, millions, and who knows whether they will be able to go back. It's um it's a rather desperate situation, but um. I think uh, I, I think we're, we're not. What did I say recently? We're, we're not going to see the, the boat rocked too much. We're not going to see them stepping out of the, the comfort zone until next year. And this is something that Kate and William are particularly interested about because it's one of the, that's both the, the greatest issues of our of our time currently, isn't it? And obviously we know that Kate loves to kind of send the little subtle messages with her clothes and she's wearing a beautiful blue dress with yellow polka dots, which is obviously the colours of the flag. Um, and, you know, she's so good at doing this, just these little nods. And it was a really, it's a really fun event, isn't it? She's been doing some painting, you know, a real hands-on. She's always in, you know, she always looks so natural when she's surrounded by children and doing this side of it. So it's a really nice, nice thing to, you know, to see her doing Yes, yeah, and you're always great with kids, right? And and very um, empathetic. And I, this definitely came through. Um, came through today, and uh, and I think it's 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 something that they will continue to support for as long as that that, that community need it. And it was a big week this week. We've not mentioned it yet, but it was King Charles's birthday. Turned and seventy-four. A lovely, at seventy-four, a very nice photograph released by you know legendary photographer, royal photographer Chris Jackson. A very nice 
picture of uh, of the king and um, very arty picture wasn't it i loved it it was a really nice kind of seat you know kind of leaning against the tree with the light the light was beautiful in it such a nice shot and the king gave himself quite a nice um birthday present didn't he i like the idea of being able like oh what what can i give myself this year he's made himself well he has become well the- i don't know how you become the ranger i mean this is like uh, it's quite interesting yeah. and that wasn't really explained but yeah you're right he has become the park ranger of windsor great park 70 years after his father duke of edinburgh was appointed um uh, he, he held the, the role right until his passing in 2021 so an awful lot of legacy to stand up to. I mean, he's um, he is he's obviously going to be supporting the the rangers that work within Windsor, Windsor Great Park. But uh, I mean, obviously, we know he's keen environmentalist, keen gardener, keen walker. So um, yeah. Probably, I was about to say no better man for the job, but there's probably only one man for the job. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I was probably wasn't a lot of choice. I didn't, I didn't know this was a thing. And as you said, it's something that the sovereign or family members have always done. The king's father and grandfather have both done it. But it's so I kind of looked into what it was. So it says a ranger offers guidance to the deputy ranger and his team with a day-to-day stewardship of one of the country's oldest estates. I must say, I feel the deputy. This feels like one of these jobs of the deputy is doing more the majority of the work. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think uh, Charles is going to be getting up at yeah, five not, years. He's not helping l- out, is he? Lugging a tractor, yeah. <laughs> but that's really lovely. Like we said, it's so... Um something he's so passionate about and um, I was also looking that the Duke of Edinburgh was involved in the reintroduction of red deer to the site uh, which I thought was really lovely and um, so yeah that kind of the being out in nature the environment stuff and it'll be interesting to see what Charles does with it because we know how much he loves gardening and he loves you know the land and things so we'll see what comes from that now one thing that I've quickly slotted in at the last minute because it I came on just before we started recording actually now uh the Ronaldo, so obviously Cristiano Ronaldo has done this huge interview uh, with Piers Morgan and we've got lots of, gosh, lots of bombshell after bombshell, haven't we? It's quite interesting mm. to talk about a shock interview that involved the royal family, but it isn't a member of the royal family. <laughs> but one of the things that's come out that actually, it's so obviously Ronaldo lost uh, and his partner lost their baby son earlier this year, which was a truly heartbreaking story. It was their son, Angel. And he said in this interview that he actually received a letter of condolence from the royal family, which is again another one of these things that goes on behind the scenes that we don't normally hear about and I think people think that everything the royals do we see in the newspapers it's on Instagram it's on social media but there are so many of these little gestures that they do that make a huge amount of difference like he said I'll never forget that and I just thought it was really lovely to know you know to see that they took the time to to reach out to him. Well, definitely. And I mean, you're totally right. This is something that, that we wouldn't know about until, until it's broadcast by the recipient. And this is something I know they've done before um, I, again. And it's 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 something they don't need to do. I mean, it, you could see that Cristiano Ronaldo was, was talking. I mean, he, he wanted to thank the British nation, the British community, he said, the English community, because he felt from all walks of life he was supported in that moment i mean talking about one of the most famous men people on the planet it has the world at his feet untold riches untold fame and and a tragedy like that is uh, is absolutely heartbreaking and um in, in that in that moment where he was talking to to piers morgan last night about it you could tell he was particularly emotional about it and so that it was signed by the royal family expressing their condolences and um and just one of those things that you you just you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily get to know about but it's um but it's 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 lovely that they did do that 
Now, on last week's show, we looked ahead to Remembrance Sunday, and that obviously took place at the weekend. Obviously, the Queen couldn't attend last year due to ill health. But so even though technically the day, you know, the actual proceedings were the same as last year, you really, really felt her absence, I think, didn't you? Like there was, it was more, it's always a moving event. It's always quite an emotional. You can always see that the royals are filled with emotion. But this year, it just, it really hit. It was a such a moving occasion. And it was just, yeah, seeing Charles do that really hit home for me you know what you're talking about the fact that you did you say you felt her absence i felt her Mm. presence as well Uh, and yeah i think that um you could you could almost sense that it was of course remembrance sunday armistice day talking about uh remembering our war dead the reason why people gather in ten thousand veterans members of the armed forces um, and also, you know, the royal family, it's a very, very important time for them. The Queen, it, it was one of those dates that was cemented in her diary. And she she rarely missed it. I mean, she only missed seven within 70 years. I think I try and remember them. One through ill health, four times, four, I said, yeah, that makes sense. Four times she was out of the country. And, twice, oh no, four times, I suppose she was, Pregnant. I was going to say, I think there was a and, pregnant, yeah, pregnancy one. And twice, anyway, twice being pregnant. So it, it, that just shows you how important it was and how important it is well, and will continue to be to, to the royal family. And, of course, the first first time um, since, the, since the, the Queen is, is no longer with us. Uh, I thought it was particularly poignant. Um, again, you saw the lapels, which I thought was very interesting on the jackets of the royal family, still having the, the ER uh, the fact that they will be replaced in time, but I didn't. I didn't even. Th- I thought they. Oh yeah, they'll just be replaced, won't they? With with CR. But the reason is because you imagine how much money that costs to replace all the buttons, all the lapels, and apparently there's there, there's there's you know of course tens of thousands of of people in the armed services, members of the royal family, and so forth. So they'll say it's sort of an austerity measure. They don't need to replace because it, it will cost millions essentially. Oh, so I didn't know they that. will. Um, I know. I thought it was a really interesting fact. So they are going to replace them in time. I no joke, no dope. Charles will uh, will get his first, but um, but we'll see sort of a slow transition of members of the armed forces uh, wearing them over the next few years. I suppose. I think that's interesting as well, and it's the same as with you know post boxes. They said we're not going to get rid of all the post boxes and you know rebrand them all because at a time when the country is very aware of money to spend load, you know to spend a huge amount of sums when it doesn't, it's not you know it is technically correct, but I just think that the Queen would have hated the idea of so much money being spent on that kind of formality thing. Of as you said, they can be done gradually when it's needed, rather than you know let's throw loads of money at that when it's you know, could be better spent elsewhere, I guess, at the moment. Um, there were also lots of little nods to the Queen, which were always... Oh, oh no, I was just going to say, I found a GR post box around the corner oh, from our you? house. Oh, Yeah, I meant, to, I meant to send it to you. So I will <laughs> post it on Instagram and I'll send it to you. So, yeah, I just, I was like, I was telling my daughter, I was like, look, Sawyer, look. And she's like <laughs> two, so she has no idea what I'm talking about. But I know I was talking about a king because she thinks I work at Buckingham Palace. Oh really? So, yeah. yeah, no, she does. Yeah, and, and she thought I was living there, sort of when I was oh. absent from home. 
Oh, she's going to be passing. so disappointed when she gets old enough to understand <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you exactly. bring her to Canary Wharf. <laughs> well, I do this, I do, I, I put when I'm at work and I come back and she says, have you been to see the king? And I say, yeah, I've been, I've been to see the king. <laughs> and she said to me, what did he say? And I said, oh, he asked how you were. Oh. She, thinks it's she actually <laughs> thinks it's hilarious. She'll be absolutely devastated when she grows up a little bit and she realises I'm just a feckless liar. So. <laughs> well, she's going to be going to school and telling all her friends this and all the other no, parents are going to be very no, impressed. <laughs> no, she does. She's already told her whole, um, I mean, again, she's only two, but she does, her speech is pretty on point and she's told all the teachers, she says, my, my daddy knows the king. <laughs> so, Amazing. Anyway, I digress, I digress. Um, yes, there were lots of nods to the Queen, as we always get with this. So Camilla wore the same hat that she wore to the Queen's funeral. Kate had those stunning uh, earrings that Diana, that used to belong to Diana, that have been you know worn by several royals over over the generations. They both wore their three poppies. Obviously, we know the Queen always used to wear lots of poppies to kind of sh- show and represent all the different arms of the forces. Um, and we also heard from Prince Harry. And um, there's always kind of a bit of a question mark as to how he's going to mark the day. There was that kind of first year where they really split opinion when they kind of did that weird photo shoot where they went and went to one of the war cemeteries, didn't they? But this, I thought this was actually a really good way to do it. So Harry wrote a letter uh, to children who are members of Scotty's Little Soldiers, which is a charity for bereaved uh, British forces children. So basically children who have lost a parent fighting um, in service and kind of talking about the bond that they share because he obviously lost a parent as well. And I thought it was just, it was really lovely. So he said, we share a bond even without ever meeting one another because we share in having lost a parent. I know firsthand the pain and grief that comes with loss and want you to know that you're not alone. While difficult feelings will come up today as we pay tribute to heroes like your mum or dad, I hope you find comfort and strength in knowing their love for you lives and shines on. And I just thought that was really lovely um, and a nice way to mark the day and by speaking directly to military families you know there's so much kind of looking back and remembering you know fallen heroes through you know both world wars and all the yeah no yeah definitely i mean with the more current side of it poor harry is damned if he does damned if he doesn't with a lot of things and this is something that he should be allowed to um to be involved in why wouldn't he i mean it's, it's it's not in the royal family don't have ownership of it it's it's a remembrance weekend um as, as especially important to the royal family and especially important to harry i mean he's one of the only royals who's seen active service remember so um i thought it was a nice touch and and it sort of got lost a little bit in the in the main coverage because it was obviously the king's first time uh, laying his own wreath as the monarch the poignancy of the, of the of the of the of the queen not being there and um yeah i suppose that we haven't really heard a lot from the sussexes at the moment apart from my story this week did you see my story about the the metaverse no you're going to say no oh my gosh this is a big story the harry and meghan i don't understand planning... the metaverse i don't understand the metaverse it hurts my brain so i possibly saw it and went that's <laughs> that's normally something i'm supposed to say i mean dan will start telling us off um harry and meghan so the metaverse is like the virtual universe it's the next stage of the internet and i found out that harry and meghan are in talks to try and set up their own world 
in the metaverse. And this could encompass the fact that they will have d- d- digital avatars of themselves. They can plug into the to the metaverse. They can hold talks. I mean, you've had the likes of Snoop Dogg, Justin Bieber. They have bought land in the metaverse to make sure that they can host concerts <laughs> well basically what? it's how we're all going to be living you'll never leave your house again in the next sort of 10 20 years and you'll never have to see anybody in person you just have to put a headset <laughs> on and see you if you want does that mean i can wear pajamas um, all day every day in, in my do like. fake version do like. of me you're, can be in a lovely be outfit sort of an avatar of i don't know oh, I, oh here we go dan has joined the chat he's wearing a <laughs> vr headset oh wow. blimey Oh, Extraordinary. <laughs> okay, well, Dan's leading anyway. the way on that one. He can when we do a, a metaverse pod, if that's a thing. Um, we will be in the metaverse. That, that'll be it. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, they're they're, they're going to be the first the first to join the metaverse. It would seem. Ooh. I mean, it's quite important. I, I think is this important? Is it? It depends on what you think, doesn't it? Some people think the metaverse is bombing. Some people think it's the big the next big thing. Some people think. It will just be the next evolution of. I mean, you'd look at Facebook, who changed their name to Meta. They're investing ten billion over the next few years into this new technology because they definitely believe this is how we will all be uh, communicating with each other, much like we do in social media now. I suppose I just find it all. I don't want to just live in a life where I sit in a room with a headset on and do. I don't. I find it all a bit. No. It's all a bit weird. It yeah, I hope weird, my plan so. is that I'll be, by the time this is a thing, I'll hopefully be old and I can just say it's like for the young people and not focus on it. Now, also, we had Prince Harry out this week, kind of keeping with the theme of remembrance. He did a kind of one of these, in want of a better word, kind of non royal royal visits where it looks very much like a royal visit, apart from it's not. So he was in Hawaii, wasn't he, at a uh, memorial? Memorial for yes, Pearl he was. Harbor. He was. He was at the USS Arizona Memorial at Pearl Harbor on Sunday. Of course, the same day that his father, the King, was leading Britain's uh, Remembrance Sunday services, which we just touched upon. But um, yeah, walking around, still dressed quite smartly. He wasn't in a Hawaiian shirt or you know in a, in shorts. He was very smartly for the occasion. Uh, poppy pinned his jacket. I don't know. Do Amer- Americans do they wear poppies? Please tell us our American cousins. I, I don't think, think they. I don't they think do. they do. But I'm I don't think I don't. I, whenever ready I've done to be corrected. Um, Australian broadcasts. I don't believe they do either. But I've been wearing it just, just, just um, as a mark of respect, I suppose. He so he didn't wear his medals, but I'm told that he he is allowed to wear. Yeah, his medals. I was surprised he wasn't wearing his medals, but it was actually quite nice because otherwise, the medals is one of these things that becomes a talking point. And it almost meant that it didn't distract from that. It wasn't people going, oh, he shouldn't be wearing his medals. And, you know, you get all the drama and the headlines that come with it. And I think maybe it was a good thing that he didn't wear them because it meant no one focused on that. They just focused on what he was doing, which is why he was there after all. But Mm. yeah, I was surprised that he wasn't that he wasn't wearing them. But it was nice to see him out and about. And we know that Remembrance events and Remembrance Sunday is something that he was is so passionate about and was really heartbroken over when he kind of found out that he wouldn't be able to, to carry on parts of royal duty. So it's nice to see him finding a bit of a way to mark the occasion. Um, you know, he's had a few attempts over the year, but this for me is my favourite year that he's done it. I think he got it absolutely spot on. 
Now, Sophie Wessex was out this week, and I couldn't not. I know that she is your favourite, so I've listed it of things to talk about. <laughs> oh, I don't have favourites apart from Sophie. You're right. You <laughs> apart are. from Sophie, and this is great. I, you know, love Sophie as well. And she always gets full on, and it was the great pictures of her in the JCB kind of cab systems factory, and she was sitting in one of the carriages for the the diggers, wasn't she? Which is good fun. Well, I, I mean, I, there was, we joke in the office sometimes because when I saw these pictures of her and I thought, well, that's a, that's a lovely, I said, that's a lovely tribute to the Duke of Edinburgh and people thought, looked at me as though I was mad. But the Duke of Edinburgh was massively in to JCBs and well, I suppose British engineering at whole. So it's good to see uh, Sophie taking on the mantle, as it were. So maybe she is, uh, she, you know, she's, she's following in the, in the late Duke's footsteps. And obviously another week in the Australian jungle and I'm a celebrity and we have Mark Jeffries, our showbiz editor, is joining us for a quick little drop in. And he's going to, again, another sentence I never thought I'd say on this show, but telling us all about how Mike Tyndall apparently slut dropped in front of Princess Anne and ripped his trousers and he was wearing some very, very unroyal pants. Hello, Mark. Welcome back to the podcast. How is week, oh gosh, what, week three in, in paradise? Yeah, it's going well. It's, it's getting a bit tiring, but um, yeah, we've had lots of movements, uh, both in and outside of camp, really. But yeah, it's, 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 it's going well. I, th- I think Mike is still doing doing pretty well. Uh, we're seeing quite a lot of him in, in many ways now, I suppose. Um, yeah, so it's going pretty well. Now, I will just kind of mention to our listeners at home that you're sound isn't as good as it's been before and that is because you are at the airport waiting to hopefully see Zara Tyndall aren't you so this is the point where the families come out ready to greet their loved ones when they finally get to escape the jungle so what are you so when's she due to get there do we know yeah so we were expecting a a roundabout today really basically um the evictions are going to start at the end of this week we think on Friday night and so um basically the the family and friends that they tend to arrive within sort of 48 hours of, of that of the eviction because the idea is they're there to um, greet them on the on the bridge basically when they come out and when they're when they're evicted so um, from speaking to Mike beforehand we, we think that Zara is going to come out with the kids and uh, yeah we when eventually he does get evicted we'll get a lovely moment of them being reunited um, as it stands at the moment we've had a few other family and friends come through um, Jill Scott for example the footballer in there the lioness her uh, partner came through a few hours ago and, and some of the others, but we've not seen Zara yet. So we're hopeful perhaps uh, perhaps we're going to see her soon. Oh, fingers crossed. That'd be exciting. We'll see those photos at the airport and hopefully you, um, you know, if you get to have a chat with her, we get to see that as well, which will be lovely. Now, obviously the highlights of this week, there's been an awful lot going on, but the main one, tell me the story that I've, oh, the, my, I don't even know how to introduce this. Mike Tyndall admitting that he once slut dropped in front of Princess Anne and it went horribly wrong. Oh, it was an incredible story. Um, really raised some eyebrows in, in camp as well, yeah. Um, well, it started off, they were talking about clothing. It came about quite a, in quite an unusual way. And um, Mike was saying that he really likes uh, suits. And, uh, and then, he, then he said he always took um, two suits to, to, a wed- to, to weddings when he went to sort of formal events. And uh, he was explaining that because he, he in his, his words, I think he said, he said he had a rugby figure. So he's got obviously like, I guess, big thighs and quite a, and sort of quite a big, big sort of bum and stuff. He was saying that he when he gets on the dance floor at a wedding, he, he can quite often rip his trousers. 
Um, so, he, so he was, yeah, so he was saying that he often takes a spare pair and it, he then he then continued with this anecdote and it got even better. And he was saying that I think it was Zara's 30th birthday. Um, he was flut dropping uh, on the dance floor, as you do, um, in front, including in front of uh, Princess Anne. And and yet again, his trousers did uh, did rip. And then, yeah, they, they um, basically the boxer shorts uh, had a had a certain phrase on. And uh, yeah, they said nibble my nuts. And uh <laughs> And 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 sort of Princess Anne saw it all. So yeah, it was it was it was a hilarious hilarious thing. I mean, it, it was one of those anecdotes where it was quite funny to begin with, and it just got better and better as things went on. And was it that? Did he say that Princess Anne's response was something like, "I'd rather not." That's right. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, he, he said he said he said he said something along those lines. I think he then said he sort of like scuttled off sort of embarrassed uh, sort of you know humiliated and sort of she'd she'd had this kind of this this sort of killer put down if you like um yeah it was it was brilliant I, you could it, it, the way he told it so you could really sort of picture picture the scene as well it was great he is that's one thing i'm noticing about him he's a great storyteller you know some people have just got this knack can't they that they can really tell a funny story and i don't have that skill but they can really build it up can't they and get all the laughs from it which is great now I'm quite disappointed we haven't we haven't seen him do a trial yet, have we? We've seen him do lots of the kind of day uh I can never say this properly, dingo dollar challenges, but we've not seen him do a bush tucker trial yet. No, that's right. Unfortunately I think Mike's sort of a victim of his own success really and his own physique, I think. Um I reckon people at home would, would think that he'd be really good in the trials and also probably that he wouldn't be very scared just based on that one thing he did when when he went into camp with the spider on his head and he sort of just swatted it away. So, so I think because of that, really, he's, he's not had the opportunity. Um, as we get further on into the show, sometimes there's an, oppor- there's an opportunity because they let the campmates decide amongst themselves when the evictions start. And I think if that happens and they're particularly hungry, Mike's going to be one of the first choices to do a trial. So, so I wouldn't rule out. We, I think we will get to see him do another one or hopefully a couple. Um, but yeah, it, I don't think we will whilst the public are voting. And the, the, the other thing, like like you were saying, the, the anecdotes he's done in there are, are so good and they're so well delivered. Um, just unfortunately at the moment, they're, they're quite sparing, sparingly used or or if, he, if he's um, saying a lot of them, we're, we're not seeing them. And I think that's the only other thing I would, the criticism I would say is I'd like to see a few more of those those anecdotes or, or to be honest, a few more sort of uh, royal stories, to be honest, because they're the thing we, we'd really like to hear and I think the things when he has said them, they're they're very funny, and I don't think they're in any way negative about the royal family. So I'm just hopeful that we'll he'll stay in a bit longer, and we'll get a few more good stories. Now he went went for a little swim this week, didn't he? And I don't I don't have the adjective to describe those little swimming trunks that he wore. They were they were very teeny tiny and very colourful, weren't they? Yeah, um, they're not something I could wear, but um, yeah, they're, they're interesting. They're interesting swimwear. Um, I think he's got two or three pairs of them. And um, Jill Scott was saying in the Bush Telegraph, she sort of has seen them and finds them quite funny. But she also said that he was wearing them more and that she thought it was him showing a bit more confidence in there and that he, that he was willing to wear them and sort of dive into the pool and stuff. And, and I thought that was quite an interesting point that she felt they were almost an expression of him and that the fact he was now wearing them more and, and sort of showing off the different pairs that, that showed he was more relaxed in there. So that was a that was a different sort of point on them rather than just sort of gawping at them. I thought, oh, that's quite an interesting point she made. And have there been any other kind of standout moments from this week uh, that you've really enjoyed of Mike? 
I mean, the only other thing I would mention is he 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 has sworn again a couple of times. Um, he, he he there was another chat, a bit of a political chat, and he he used the F word um, and was was sort of critical about politicians in general, and that sort of raised a few eyebrows because. Uh, just because of who he is and his sort of standing and what we, we did sort of wonder how that would have got gone down back home. Um, but other than that, he, he's not, he's had a slightly quieter week, I'd say than, than the first one. Um, and we're just hopeful that he is, like I was saying earlier, perhaps if he can get a bit more involved, um, particularly in the physical stuff, I think that's what I'd like to see with him. Um, yeah, that would be good. He's also been trying to sort of mediate a bit with, uh, with a row over beds and stuff. And he's, he's been trying to, trying to make sure everyone gets a good night's sleep and he, he he doesn't seem to have a problem with that but i think he's aware others are struggling and he's sort of been a good been a good sort of teammate in that sense and is trying to help others which i think shown a nice side to him as well one of, i know that one of his sp- friends spoke out this week and said that we weren't seeing kind of enough of mike and therefore not seeing you know he sh- i thought he was going to go in and be a huge favorite on the programme and he's not but I don't think that's because he's done anything wrong I think it's just because we haven't seen too much of him and I think he's kind of been a victim this series has all been about Matt Hancock hasn't it and I think one of his friends spoke out and said that it was just turning into the Matt show which means we were not seeing as much as I would have hoped and I think lots of viewers would have seen or would have hoped to have seen of Mike yeah I think that's a really valid point um it was a I think it was the rugby podcast that Mike sometimes appears on himself and they were making the point that it is the Matt Hancock show at the moment. And I've had heard, had quite a few people from different celebrities, sort of back in different celebrities who've said that. Um, and they're, they're all sort of concerned that their celebrity or, or you know, their, their person who they're supporting isn't getting enough airtime at the moment. I think the good thing about that is, is at some point Matt will come out. I'm not sure he is going to be necessarily the first person evicted, but I don't think he's a, he's a winner of the show. And so hopefully what we're going to get is almost sort of two shows in one it would we are gonna we've sort of had the matt hancock show and hopefully that's coming to an end and then hopefully we're going to get a, a week or so when he's not in there and then we're going to see other people come to come to the fore and i'm really hopeful that mike is going to be one of those people yeah i agree yeah that's actually such a good way to look at it that hopefully i'll get rid of matt soon and then yeah because again like jill scott has been brilliant in there but i've not seen anywhere near as much i could just more than happily i think listen to mike tindall tell stories about the royal family and play pranks on people and just listen to jill scott be jill scott and i'd be more than happy so yeah hopefully we'll get to see a bit more of that so first eviction this weekend do you think yeah friday night's the first eviction um i'll stick my neck out and say that mike is is pretty safe from that but yeah we we, we should see a few more go and then hopefully when Matt goes, it uh, Mike can sort of be front and centre of the party. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much uh, for finding a bit of time today. We appreciate that you're very busy. Good luck with Zara and we'll catch up with you next week. Great stuff. Thanks very much. Well, there we go. Not long if I'm a celeb. So left so far um, and lots to look forward to for the next kind of week or so that's left of that. Now, Staying on the TV theme, we're going to just talk about The Crown a bit. So, obviously, I know that you, you watched it early because you were show off and got mm. your preview. I <laughs> am not that important, so I've got two more left to go. But what I wanted to do was kind of talk through some of the big storylines that are mentioned in it and to debunk them a bit, to use your royal your royal brain and my kind of history royal nerd side, just because mm. there's been so much talk about how much of it is true, how much of it is, you know, kind of 
exaggerated, added to, dramatised. So I thought if we gave a few examples that we could explain what really happened, it might maybe give some of our listeners a bit more of an insight. Now, the first one, which is talked about quite a lot, is Charles, was that survey in the, I think it was the Times, saying that lots of Brits wanted the Queen to abdicate. And from what the Crown suggested... The then Prince Charles was quite keen on this idea as well and even called the then Prime Minister, uh, John Major, to come in and say, oh, should we, you know, is this something we should be looking into? And the line in the crown says, what makes the Conservative Party successful? Its instinct for renewal and its willingness to make way for someone younger. And it's the Victoria syndrome is the phrase that's thrown around a lot, isn't it, of saying that rather than having, you know, having an older monarch they say right we're going to abdicate when everyone turns 60 and that means there's a younger a younger monarch on the throne that more people can relate to that kind of you know some would say more exciting more glamorous um but that didn't happen at all did we and uh majors actually come out and said the storyline was was nonsense well it's interesting because i mean john major has come out very very uh very harshly and said you know this is is, the crown's absolute nonsense completely debunked this theory um (coughs) excuse me and said that uh, that that definitely definitely did not happen however it still said um it's it's been reported rather that uh, that charles did actually have these conversations but not necessarily with major so one may wonder who he was having these conversations with the fact that you know, he, he did think there was this sort of touch of the Queen Victoria's. Did she stay on the throne too long? He mentioned Edward the um, the Seventh was kept waiting in the wings. He longed to be given responsibilities, but his mother had refused, and so therefore he didn't want to to be the same. I'm sure that Charles would would again debunk those theories. But interesting that others have come out and said that they were aware that conversations like that may have happened so read into that what you will i'm sure that charles was uh was and is an ambitious man and wanted to be given more responsibility i think we've seen that over the last you know our last 10 years haven't we certainly in the last few years he's been given a lot more responsibilities taking over from the queen and um and now he's got the top job but but what was this was this happening in the 90s i suppose we'll never know Now, the next kind of big talking point that I wanted to discuss from the show was the now infamous interview that Martin Bashir from the BBC did with Princess Diana. This is obviously the very famous one where she spoke about Charles's Charles's affair. She gave the famous quote, there were three of us in the marriage, so it was a little crowded, which obviously was reference to his relationship with Camilla. But the kind of interesting point that I found from it, and I shouldn't laugh, but I did find it a bit funny of the kind of how this has been debunked, was the show suggested that one of Diana's conditions was that she wanted to be the one to personally tell the Queen that she had done this huge interview. But her former private secretary has come out and said, no, actually, I had that awful job because imagine having to go and tell the Queen, by the way, your daughter-in-law is about to go and slag your family off and slag off the institution and air all sorts of dirty laundry wasn't it so that was patrick uh is it jepson 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 so i mean so yeah i mean this is very interesting again talking fact or fiction dramatized series as the as we should know netflix uh the crown is um yeah, I mean, to Patrick Jefferson saying that this did 
this did not happen. In reality, as you say, he was the one who had to deliver the awful news just seconds before the BBC revealed it would be airing the interview. And uh, he, t- he told um, the Daily Telegraph in the UK, I know it was made up because I was there. And I can tell you that the princess absolutely failed to summon up the necessary courage and delegated the job to me. So sitting beside her in her Jaguar en route to an official engagement, I used the car telephone to call the Queen's private secretary and break the sensational news. I mean, God, it just makes me feel awkward thinking about it. It's uh, it's, incredible. I mean, he says... um, in a comedy of confusion, the genuine mark of reality, the only person in the Queen's office at the time was Her Majesty's press secretary, and thus got the vital information seconds before he received it firsthand from the BBC. I mean, tells you what a, what an awful situation had transpired at that time, and the, the, the war of the Waleses was in full swing, and then people weren't even talking to each other, and just doing things behind each other's back. I mean, then the, the fallout, we're t- still talking about it, 25 odd years later so um so uh, of course it's a, a huge huge issue um but again fact fact from fiction we've debunked the debunked the fiction but one of the things i must say i don't i completely understand how tv works they have to make it interesting they have to kind of guess what was said behind closed doors because we will never know that but many of the points that they do know they've still changed so there was a few quotes from that interview which they tweaked and that I can't quite understand why they would have done that because everyone knows that interview so well and the original quotes are gold so I don't know why they would have changed it so one of the lines the crown Diana says uh, when asked if she'd ever be queen Diana says or crown Diana says I don't envision myself ever being queen no I don't think many people will be calling for that when I say people I mean those at the top on my husband's side but in reality she said I don't think many people will want me to be queen actually when I say many people I mean the establishment that I married into and in in my mind I think the real quote is stronger kind of talking about the establishment that Mm. she married into that is directly saying the royal family but they've changed it into a way that says those at the top. And I don't know if that's for, you know, and that can't even be for legal reasons because this actually happened. We, we know this. So that, that's what I can't understand why they've changed these parts of it. You know what? I think it's quite interesting that Prince William has stood on the steps of Kensington Palace and said that he, he, this, this interview essentially was an abomination. It was um, garnered through uh, unfair practices subterfuge um it's it's become um a real issue for the bbc that they've had to apologize to, to william and harry and the, and the family um because of the way that um, the, the methods used by bashir and now we're still talking about it the fact that it's um it's been dramatized in the crown so i don't understand why they would would, would even change it because I mean, is it to try and make it different? It's just bringing heartache to the family and to those loved ones of, of Diana because it speeded up the, the complete destruction of her relationship, with not only with Charles, but the rest of the royal family. So, um, yeah, I think it's rather rather unfortunate, to be honest. This, that's probably a main criticism of this series because, of course, there have been lots of people that... I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it as a, as a dramatised version, but... It, it is sometimes difficult to pick the reality from the you know the stuff that's been completely made up or um, as as we have just demonstrated. But yeah, I 
really like the crown as we kind of discussed briefly last week i think the cast this time i've, I've obviously seen more of it than not i think the cast are fantastic they're so so good i think yeah the queen and diana are just brilliant and i actually think that the actor I, I don't know what his name is so i should have looked at it but the actor that plays prince william i think is very good as well the, there's lovely scenes of him meeting with, we know that the queen did have these kind of teas with william when he was at eton and i love the scene that i actually really love that's been my favorite so far is when william the queen's trying to use the new telly and can't use any of the but you know like can't use the buttons and she's going oh i've lost i've lost the channel again and it was those real normal moments that i did exactly the same with all my grandparents of there be like oh I can't find it and you've got him going oh give it to me I'll find you the channel and I think the will the guy that plays a young Prince William is very good but yeah looking forward well, to watching I just the read this I didn't know this at all his name's I'm not going to pronounce this wrong it's Senan Senan West the 13 year old son of actor Dominic West oh I didn't well, know that I've just learned that it made oh. his acting debut as a it's S-E-N-A-N lovely name but I don't yeah. know I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong. Oh, how interesting. How interesting. Yeah, um, so, yeah, I've just learned that. But, yeah, we would love so, to know um, what everyone, love to know what all our listeners have thought of The Crown um, so yes, far, because it's do. obviously such a controversial series. But now, looking ahead to next week, we've got an exciting week coming up, and we've got a state village. Villi- uh, no, we haven't. We've not got no, a state no, no, village. No, no. We've got a state visit, which means tiaras and glitz and glamour and diamonds, doesn't it? Well, it does. It's going to be a. There's going to be a glittering banquet at Buckingham Palace. This is uh, Charles and Camilla are going to be hosting their first ever state visit. Now, interesting that this was long planned. I mean, when the Queen was still with us, so it's interesting that uh, the President of South Africa and his wife will be. Um, Cyril Ramposa, we are going to be in the UK on this two-day trip next week. Uh, very interesting that. Um, the Prince of Wales in his his new new role as heir to the throne will will also step up with with uh, the Princess of Wales to play a big part in this event. Uh, first state visit to be held in the UK for more than three years, obviously due to COVID, mm. um, and uh, and of course the first first state visit since the, the death of Her Majesty. But um, lots to look forward to. I won't I won't ruin it too much. I mean, it's a pretty packed. Um, Packed events. William and Kate meeting the president at uh, his London hotel. They're going to greet him. They'll travel to Horse Guards Parade. Proper ceremonial welcome with Charles. Uh, joining the carriage procession back to the palace. Then there will be a visit to the Tomb of the Unknown Warrior at Westminster Abbey. Uh, we're then going to see um, Edward and Sophie meeting um the the president and his wife and taking them to Kew Gardens which will be very interesting um so yeah lots to look forward to and a big banquet be great very exciting it's nice again it's that kind of traditional royal side of it and the normal events and the normal exciting things that we've just not seen because of covid and then obviously because of the morning period so it's i'm very excited for this i'm very excited yes to see it all. i'll be able to fill you in with all the all the events next week lovely and is there anything else going on next week that you can tell us about or is it all top secret i don't, I don't know at the moment i don't know at the moment so i'll, I'll keep my counsel for now Lovely. Right. Well, thank you so much. Oh, actually, I meant to say before we went, mm. thank you very much to everyone that pointed out the slight. It, there was a bit of a 
gremlins in the system i think at the end of last week's podcast because the uh music played backwards and then it seemed to go into morse code um which i was joking with a few listeners about that it sounded like we'd like taken dan hostage or something and he was trying to send a message but yeah sorry about that and thank you to everyone that's pointed it out and hopefully it will be less uh, terrifying this time but thank you everyone for listening as always we are on social twitter and instagram at pod save and until next time Pod save the king!